0: Well, praise God. Well, I'm glad you're here tonight. I'm glad you've tuned in. I'm glad you're here in church. And uh, I want to share a word with you that'll bless your heart. Uh, it's one of these messages. It's, it's short and sweet and to the point. And uh, well, I say that short. I don't know. I've never been short in my life. So, uh, But uh, it's one of these messages. You really need to write these scriptures down. You really need to take some time and and write the scriptures down so that you you can keep them uh, and, and and go over them, but get your Bibles out Woo! and go to Luke 15, Luke 15, 11, Luke 15, 11, story of the prodigal sons, Just was where I want to start our reference tonight. God is so amazing. Wasn't it good to be in church Sunday? Man had dinner on the grounds, fellowship, all that was good. Praise God. It's good to see church full up. No, we weren't totally full up. We still got more room. Still got more room. But I want to start reading about the prodigal son in verse 11, Luke 15, 11. Now, I'm just going to read through this. Y'all know the story, but I want you to eyes to fall on it tonight. He said, a certain son, a certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided them his livelihood. And not many days later, the younger son gathered all together journeyed into a far country, and there he wasted his possessions with prodigal living. Now, when he had spent all there, arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. And he went, and he joined himself to the citizens of that country, and he sent him uh, into into the fields to feed the swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, but no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, everybody said he came to himself, He said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I'll say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Now make me like one of your hired servants. So he arose, and he came to his father, but when he was still a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion, and he ran, and he fell on his neck, and he kissed him. And his son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to the servants, bring out the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his hand, sandals on his feet, and bring the fatted calf here and kill it. Let us eat and be merry, for my son was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. So you know the story. You've heard the story of the prodigal son more than likely uh, uh, before, but let, let me just show you just a few things here. Here's this young man that did what he wanted to do. He went and thought what was going to bring him happiness, and he found out that it was going to bring him nothing but suffering and distress. He ends up in the worst place in his life, but then he came to himself. He, uh, you know, the, the, the presence of the Holy Spirit came to him, and he opened up his eyes, and he's like, wow, my father's servants. He's got these guys, guys working for him. They're just servants, and, and they're getting fed, and they're getting housed. They're getting blessed, and, and, and look at me. I'm in here in the pig pen. And 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 this is not good. This is terrible. I, I I'm going to go home, and I'm just going to tell my father, "Look, I know I'm not worthy to be called your son." Everybody say, not worthy. "Not worthy." You know, the devil works overtime to try to get you convinced that you're not worthy. Hear me. He tries to convince you all the time that you're not worthy. You're not worthy as a wife. You're not worthy as a husband. You're not worthy as a parent. You're not worthy as a provider. You're not worthy as a, 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 you know, a godly person. You're not worthy to God. You just, you know, you just pray and you get in slide through the pearly gate before the door slams. Hello? So devil's number one tactic to always get you convinced you're not worthy because he wants you to look in life at what you accomplish, what you can perform, how you, what you can do. You know, the other night I was, uh, I, every once in a while I go veg out, and I, I'll just get on YouTube and I'll start looking up crazy things, you know. And I was just laughing at some, telling some of the people before uh, the crazy things. You know, I go like on machinery TV, I watch excavators that, that, that mix, miss their load, and they, dump, they fall off the truck or they overcome or cranes that crash or, you know, something I just, I'm like, you know, I look at them and say, man, what were y'all thinking, you know. When y'all set up and did that, you know, and so anyway, I I go to that. And so the other night I got to watch one on sports and it was showing these really good athletes, you know, and they were hockey players and basketball players and football players and stuff that were just doing extreme things uh, in the sport, you know, to, to win or whatever, you know, and it was just, it was just really cool. I was really shocked at looking at some of the plays they could do. And, And I was thinking about the talent in these people, you know, they're just oozing with talent. And sometimes you look at yourself and you're like, oh, man, I'm not like that. I can't do that. I can't go. You know, who am I? You know, I'm too short or I'm too tall or I'm too fat or I'm too skinny or I'm too something. You know, the devil always trying to make you feel unworthy. Hello? And so this son was feeling that. But he said, at least I can get fed at my father's house. So he goes to the father's house. He goes back. Now, the most amazing thing of the whole story of the prodigal son is Jesus is telling it. Now, Jesus didn't make up stories just to tell stories. Jesus didn't just, you know, sitting around one day and say, ah, I think I'll make up a story about this and tell them, you know, don't, it's not true, but I'm not, it's a good story. I'll tell them. When he was telling the parable, he was telling it because he was trying to get the people of the day to understand what was going on in a simple, simplistic manner to say, this is it. So he says, it says that the father saw the son coming. So that meant the father must have been looking for him. The father was looking down the road. He saw the son coming and he ran to him. Now, listen to me. I want to tell you something. The whole point of this message tonight is when you turn to go home, you got to understand something that the father's already running towards you. When you just turn in your heart to give up your ways and quit trying to figure out how you can put salt and pepper on pig food, and make it taste good. Maybe I could take it home, boil it a little more. Maybe I can eat it. But you just finally give up on that and come to your senses that God Almighty is what's important in life. It's not the money. It's not the the, the talent. It's not the, the looks. It's not all that. That doesn't really mean anything. It's your relationship with God. It's your relationship with heaven is what counts, is what makes the difference. It's greater to know God and to never be successful in what the world says if you know Him because He'll always have His love abounding towards you. So, you know, the end of the story. Son gives a speech. I'm not worthy. To be called your son, father didn't even listen to him. He's not even listening to him. While the son's giving his speech, I, I don't know it, it. It would play off like this, but in my mind, the son's <clears throat> trying to work up the courage. of father, I'm not worthy to be called your son, and I'm, you know, I, 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 I you're, but uh, this will make me like one of your fired servants. And the father's just like, yeah, hold on, uh, go get the robe, go get the the the, the ring, go get this, the sandals or go get, get get it, bring it over here. He's not even listening to him. He's letting him tell his little talk say his little piece, but he's already telling the servants what to go do. It was never in the mind of the father. Said, yeah, come on up here, man. Humble yourself down here, you lowly, no good kid. You going to spin everything? You're such a swine. You deserve to eat pig food. You know, None of that was going through the father's mind. The father was just so glad that he finally came to himself and came back. And that's what people don't understand. And I got to say, a lot of the reason why is because stupid preachers preach bad doctrine. They've been preaching garbage and trash from the pulpit until people don't understand the love of God. So let me show you something tonight about what God thinks of you. All right? That's what this message is, what God thinks of you. So go to Jeremiah 29.11, another scripture. It's really, really, uh, I want to say famous, but that's not the right word, you know. But a lot of people know Jeremiah 29.11. And I want, to see, I want you to see this. You need these scriptures every day going over and over and over and over and over in your heart. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you. This is God speaking through the prophet Jeremiah. And he says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you. God is saying, these are the thoughts I think towards you. So what right do I have to get up as a preacher and tell you that God's not thinking these thoughts? What right do I have to get up and say, yeah, well, you know, that's if you're living right. You're not sinning. No. He says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace. Everybody say peace. Not of evil. To give you a future and a hope. Then you'll call upon me and go and pray to me and I'll listen to you. And, I, and you will seek me and you'll find me. You'll search for me. When you search for me, with all of your heart. You see, all a person has to do is turn to God and start going that direction because God's never going to violate a person's free will. He's not going to make you love him. You don't go, you don't get married, at least not around here, and you, you just find a girl and say, okay, I'm, I'm going to marry you and I'm going to make you love me. That don't happen. Hello? Shouldn't. <laughs> it's not going to be very good. God's not going to make you love him. He's not going to come and force a person. He's not going to violate your free will. But he said, look, I just want to know the thoughts that I'm thinking towards you. So the devil comes in and puts in your mind, oh, man. I know if anybody knew what you were, it was early in your past. If anybody really knew what you did. The whole time, God's thinking thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a future and hope. All God's thinking about is building you. All God's thinking about is giving you goodness, giving you blessing. That's all he's thinking about. You mess up, go to the pig pen, eat a little pig food for a while, but as soon as you turn back to the Father, he's still got a plan. He's still working his plan in your life. He's still trying to bless you. He's still trying to give to you. He's still trying to get things going your way. Now, let me give you another confirmation scripture here uh, out of the New Testament, James chapter 1, verse 13. James 1, 13. I can still remember this so vividly. It's kind of funny, but I, you, you probably all have experienced this. I had an old dog when I was growing up as a kid, when I was a little kid. And uh, I remember I got in trouble. You know, I'm sure I was didn't do anything. But I was got in trouble. And I remember I got a whipping, and I was sitting outside, and I was sitting on the porch, and I remember I was crying, and my old hound dog came up there to me, started licking me in the face, and I remember saying to that dog, nobody loves me but you. You know, that's what I did when I was a kid. But there's a lot of people still sitting around today just letting the dog lick them in the face and say, nobody loves you. Nobody loves me but you. And the real truth of the matter is your devil's got them so deceived and so confused in life they don't know what the Word of God says, that nothing can separate you from the love of God. James 1.13 says, when I, when, let no one say that when he's tempted, I'm tempted by God, for God cannot tempt by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. God's not ever tempting you, and He's definitely not tempting you with evil. God's not going to put sickness and disease on a person to see if they can walk through it and still serve Him. It always amazes me they go to Abraham and they go they go take Abraham going to take Isaac up to the uh, the altar and sacrifice his son, and they always say, "See, God was tempting Abraham, and He was tempting him with the thing He loved." And sometimes God does that for you. <clears throat> Is God getting ready to make an Abrahamic covenant with you? Are you that special? That God is getting ready to make a covenant that's going to affect the world forever for all generations to come with you? That you're so important that God's got to put sickness on you to make a Abrahamic covenant with you? One time a person told me, say, yeah, you know, the devil is just after me. He's after me. I said, well... You know, I mean, you can say that metaphorically, but the devil himself is probably working in Washington. He's not working on you. You probably have a little imp of some sort. Let's just get it straight. He is demonic, but I'm sure he, the devil himself is in Washington. Okay. So God's not going to tempt you with evil. But each one is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires and enticed. In other words, when man starts leaving the love of God, when man starts thinking the pig food's good, when man is drawn away, when man starts missing the mark, oh, that's when he gets drawn away. And then when when the desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, sin when it's fully grown brings forth death. In other words, you start missing the mark with God in your relationship, you start separating and yeah, then bad things start happening. But it wasn't God. He never was tempting you with evil. Never did want you to leave the relationship. Never did want his son to leave. Are y'all with me? The prodigal son. He never wanted the prodigal son to leave. That was never the intention of the father. Why? Because he had a future and hope for him. A plan of peace. Prosperity. Blessing. All right? Then it says... Uh, Don't be deceived, my brother, every good and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights in whom there's no variation or shadow of turning. In other words, God never cast a shadow. That's what that's saying, that God's glory is all around him and he does not cast a shadow. He casts glory because a shadow is blocking the sun and then the other side of it's dark. And there is no darkness with God. He's only light. He's only only emitting light and glory out of him going to heaven. There's no no darkness in God. And so he says, hey, all the good and perfect things are coming from God. God's a good God. Everybody say God's a good God. God's a good God. He wants to bless humanity. It's only humanity when they stray off and go start thinking pig food tastes good. So let me show you a few more things that he says about you and what he thinks about you. Go to Galatians chapter 4, verse 6. I mean, these are simple scriptures, but you, I just felt so impressed tonight that God was going to change someone's heart if they would let him tonight by hearing this word. Galatians chapter 4, verse 6. It says, And because you were sons, wow. I, I've told you all this before. The greatest struggle I had. <clears throat> is I could see myself being adopted into the family of God, okay? And then I could see myself like a second-class son, always being an uh, adopted son, that I didn't have the same blood, I didn't have the same rights or privileges because I was adopted into the family. I, I could grab that easily, Because I could see God having pity on me and taking me in. But to then turn around and read what the scripture says, that's not the way it is. Because you are sons, you became sons. God has sent forth the spirit of his son in your heart, crying out, Abba, Father. In other words, he's changed your inner man. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, what, you're a new creation, brand new man, old things have passed away. You've been born again, Right? Therefore, you're no longer a slave, but a son of a son. Oh, my goodness, an heir of God. In other words, you get into the family, the the lineage of what Jesus would inherit. You have a piece of that as a child of God. Then I could think of it this way. Yeah, but there's a lot of Christians saved. And so, you know, it's just like anything. If you you got $1,000 and, you know, there's just 10 people, everybody gets 100, right? But if there's a thousand people, then everybody only got a dollar. So you start thinking about the inheritance of God, and there's a bunch of Christians, and the more that get saved, then the less you get. Are y'all with me? That's the world thinking, right? More family, less you're going to inherit. But that's not the way it is with God, because God is God is God, man. There is no limit to what God has. It's, it's the full measure to each of you. Now you just, I want to shock you just for a minute. Just think about this. Can you imagine that everything Jesus inherited, you inherited? Equal amount. Think about that for a minute. You're an equal heir with Jesus? You didn't go to the cross. You didn't pay the price for the world. You didn't sit down your glory crown and come be born the manger. You didn't do all that. Wow. The amazing love of God that He says you are an heir of God. Let me show you this. Let me show you this a little more. Go to Ephesians chapter two. But God, I'm in verse four. I'm sorry, Ephesians two four. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love for which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Now, listen, listen to this. He loved you when you were dead in your sin. Now you're saved. If I'm speaking to Christians, just Christians tonight, listen to me. Now you're born again. You've made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life. He loved you when you were a sinner. Now you're saved. What's his attitude towards you? For by grace you have been saved and raised up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. In other words, God is so generous. He gave it all and it says exceeding exceeding abundance god's what do you think god's exceeding is he made this world in 6 days sat down under a tree and drank some sweet tea are y'all with me he spoke it into existence and created it in 6 days everything you see going on around you and that guy says i'm going to give you the exceeding What was this, right? We're trying to believe him. Listen to me, folks. This is how limited our faith, and this is what God has got to do. Only he can do it. I can preach it, but it's got to be the anointing that breaks the revelation off in us, in our brains, and gets it down in our soul, and gets it down to us, that it happens. If we could ever understand the exceeding love of God towards us, then, folks, there's nothing that you cannot do. Then you would start to fulfill John 14, 15, and 16 that says, anything you ask the Father will be done. Boom. The glory that he gave Jesus he'd given to you. Boom. You walk in it. The things that Jesus did, you're going to do greater things than that. Boom. You just walk in it. Because you would understand this, this loving heavenly Father that loves you so much that he wants to exceedingly give you in life we wouldn't even be listening to the devil get us all twisted up. And to think that it's all by grace that we've been saved through the blood of Jesus, the smartest decision you ever did in life was make Jesus the Lord of your life. For by grace you have been saved Through faith and that not of yourself, it's the gift of God, not of works as anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk therein. He already had this all figured out. He already had it all done. God's wanting to give you the exceeding of his life. But if we sit around and chew our fingernails and worry about this, that, and the other, and we do all these things, and we don't 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 let the devil just just let the devil consume us and 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 go off in crazy thinking and and doubt and unbelief and 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 just worry about what's gonna happen in the world, and what's gonna go, well, folks. We're not even tapping into anything, much less God's exceeding. So God was concerned you wouldn't be able to hang on, so John 10 29 comes into play. Next scripture, John 10 29 one of our favorites. Jesus said, my father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. No one's able to snatch them out of my father's hand. So God's so worried about you're going to get away. God's so worried about you're going to get messed up and, 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 and get out. He said, ain't nobody snatching you out of my hand. Hello? You ever had something that was precious to you really held on to? Like maybe your kid's hand when you're going through a store and just think, ain't nobody going to snatch them out of my hand. And to think that God Almighty is doing that to you. So then that takes us to the next scripture, Ephesians chapter one, verse three. It says, blessed be the God and the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has, that's past tense. It means it already has taken place. Blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. So he gave you everything. Well, the reason why you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places is because you're in Christ Jesus and the same inheritance that Jesus got belongs to you and He, God wants to give you the exceeding least, so he's already given it all to you. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. <laughs> Woo, Having predestined us to adoption as sons By Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. It's God's good pleasure to do this to you. Are y'all hearing me? God's good pleasure to bless you exceedingly. But we got to put some faith in it. We got to get out there. We got to quit listening to what the devil's saying. It's time for Christians to rise up, man, and become the sons and daughters of God that he called us to be. It's time to rise up and let our faith get out there and say, God, you want to do exceedingly abundant beyond I can even think or ask. I want to walk in your exceedingly, Lord. All because he made us accepted in the beloved. See, God loved Jesus so much that every person that believes in Jesus and looks to him and his blood is applied to our life, he sees us in the same love that he sees Jesus because he sees Jesus' blood on our life. So when he's looking and dealing with me, he's dealing with Jesus in the sense that his blood's on my life. Now, I want to take you to some Old Testament scriptures just for a second, because the Old Testament's a type in shadow of what's coming in the New Testament. Right. So I showed you what God's saying all here in the New Testament. But let's look back at the Old Testament to see what he spoke to Israel about, which is a type in shadow of what we were going to be in, in Christ. So Isaiah 54, 17. I quoted this scripture for a long time and I was quoting it correctly, but you know how you ever notice that when you have a Bible and you have things underlined, that sometimes you, it you actually can cause you to skip over it. Now, my Bible is underlined in notes on the side, sometimes I read the notes on the side, and I'm like, <laughs> what was that? What was that about? I don't really understand what that one was, Lord, you know, and, and uh, how did I get that out of this, you know, and, and then then another day, I look at it, and I'm like, wow, man, look what I wrote down here, you know, and, and, and but sometimes I'm just like, what was I thinking, you know, but I didn't see it. So I've never been able to preach a message again. I've preached for, you know, whatever it is now, 30 years I've been preaching, but uh I can't re-preach my old messages because when I go back and I look at them, I'm like, what was I saying? And I just have stacks of I have notebook fulls of, of, of sermons at the house. And sometimes I'll go back and I'll look through them and I'm like, yeah, I don't... I, I mean, I understand the point I was making, but I don't see why I was using that. And I don't know. Anyway, Isaiah 54, 17. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. I, this is what I was saying. I, I quoted this scripture all the time, but one day... Something leaped off of this. No weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue that rises against you in judgment you shall condemn. Now that's that's a good one, right? No weapon that forms against you, it means no sickness that forms against you, no, you know, no curse that forms against you, no heartache that forms against you, no, no anything that forms against you can prosper. Every tongue which rises against you in judgment you shall condemn. Look at this. This is the heritage of of the servants of the Lord and their righteousness is from me says the Lord I look up that word heritage you know what it really would be better translated as inheritance in other words it goes back to the same thing that you're an heir of God you're an heir gets something are y'all with me if you're an heir to an estate then it comes to you at the death of of the person, you get a a, a percentage or however that works out, you're an heir to it, right? You didn't do anything for it except be born into it. You didn't do anything to get this inheritance except be born into the kingdom of God, but you got an inheritance and part of the inheritance is no weapon that forms against you shall prosper. Now, it didn't say no weapon wasn't going to form against you. Hello, this is where we get it wrong. Jesus said in John 16, in this world you're going to have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. And you have an inheritance. And no weapon that forms against you is going to prosper. It's impossible. Everybody say impossible. Look at the person beside you say it's impossible. Do you hear what I'm saying? It's impossible for it to prosper. If sickness comes on your body, you were never born again to be sick hear me, come on, don't turn me off, don't get so shocked, don't hide your faces, oh God, pastor's talking about that stuff, I'm just telling you, our bodies, we were created a good thing and our good things are supposed to function and when sickness comes upon your body, you need to stand up and say, no, wait a minute, no weapon that forms against you is going to prosper, it's my inheritance from heaven, Amen. Man, come on. okay, it's my inheritance So now look over Jeremiah 33, Jeremiah 33, so you can always remember this in 333, Jeremiah 333, he says, call unto me and I will answer you and show you great mighty things which you do not know. Do you know that God almighty, his thoughts and attitudes towards you are not just to give you a future and a hope, but to sit down and talk with you and share with you the mighty things that he wants to do in your life. But see, we've got broken relationship with God. We don't talk to our Heavenly Father. Just look at this tonight. I want, the, I want the, the enemy's plan to be unveiled before the people. He wants broken fellowship with your Heavenly Father so that God, you don't see what God has for you. So whether it's a divorce, whether it's a sickness, whether it's this, whether it's that, whether whatever it could possibly be that the devil has used against you to think that you're unworthy, I'm telling you, Jeremiah 33, 3 says, God wants to sit down and show you great and mighty things, but you've got to have fellowship with him. You have to have a relationship with you. Why I'm always so excited about freedom prayer, I'm always telling everybody, go to freedom prayer, go to freedom prayer, because you need to get all the traps and the, 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 the baggage that the devil has got you to believe in over life that's not truth, so you can get free of it, so you can have a relationship with your father. You know, as country, folks. Um... You know, we're, 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 we're our own people, right? We're our own nation out here. And and I'm sure some of you at some time, being a country folks, have gone to some party or gone to some place where you maybe felt like you weren't dressed right. I know I have. I've walked into some places before and it's like, oh, wow, uh, I stick out like a sore thumb. And then sometimes my wife is telling me, you need to put a better shirt on. And I'm like, pfft. Take me like I am. I don't care, you know. That depends on where I'm going and what attitude I'm at, you know. But the point is, you feel under, like you're not worthy to be there. You're not playing the part. But the glorious thing about God is... It's all about the blood of Jesus. As long as you're a believer in Jesus, man, you walk right into the courts of heaven. God's not looking at your clothes. He's not looking at your status. He's not looking at what you accomplish. Look, you do not gain favor with God because you do great works for him. You gain favor with God when you believe in Jesus and will get the junk off the devil and sit down and have fellowship with him. Oh, I'm preaching good tonight. You don't don't gain status with God for accomplishing things. I I mean, this week I've been really pumped up because I've been reading uh, the book of Revelation and just my daily reading and the way I go through the Bible, it just was in the book of Revelation, so I was reading it, and I get to chapter 19, it's my favorite chapter, because, man, that's when the armies of God are coming back, you know, and and coming back on a white horse, and I'm just thinking of this whole scene and, you know, coming on heaven, everybody's got a rod in their hand, and we're all going to come back, and I can't wait. I live for it, man. I'm just like, oh, Lord, it's going to be glorious. And then chapter 20 goes into, you know, talking about 20, 21, 22, talking about the New Jerusalem and everything, you know, coming down and heaven. all this talks about that, that, that the nations are presented before God. And I've always had in my heart that I want to present a nation to God. And I know that sounds crazy, but i just like to go through and say, here's the nation believes in you, Lord. I mean, I just think that's cool because I just want to give him, I just want to do as much for him as I can because I'm so appreciative I got in the kingdom. He didn't leave me out. All right? And so I get to thinking in my mind, crazy sometimes, to thinking about all these, these, what it would look like. What would it look like? The nation's being presented before God. Some great things coming that we're going to get to experience. Amen? But he says, all of these things that are going on, I want to sit down and talk to you about it. I want to know, do the horses have saddles? I'm sure hoping, man, I got a saddle horn because that leap off of heaven to earth is going to be something good. And I'd like him to kind of hold on to. I mean, I don't really want to just grab hair and hold on, you know, but. But he wants to sit down and talk to you. Great and mighty things. Great and mighty things he wants to do with you. All right. Last scripture I have for you still in Jeremiah. Go back to chapter 32, 27. Ooh, here's old Jeremiah. Everything looks like it's going south for him. Looks like the whole, everything's lost. Nothing's any good. Everybody's mad at him. Everybody in the city hates him. And God does this crazy thing. In the middle of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, coming to destroy Jerusalem, in the middle of it, God says to Jeremiah, uh, I, I think it was his uncle, but some, some relative that Jeremiah had that had a piece of property, because, of course, everybody's wanting to sell before the captivity so they could have some money. He says, go buy that piece of property. Go get it signed. Go get it sealed and everything and get that piece of property bought because, you know, this is all going go to come to pass, and then you're going to own that property, and I'm going to make you wealthy out of it is basically what he said. Paraphrased in there, but that's, basic, that's the gist of it. So the city's under siege. Can you just think of the situation? The city's under siege. It's chaos. Everybody's running. Oh, they're going to kill us. They're going to kill us. And Jeremiah said, uh, yeah, would you go get my, I think it was his uncle. I'd have to go back and read it again, but it was a relative. Go get my relative and bring him over here. And, and so, and see if he. Want, I have the right to the kinsman redeemer, right to buy that property. And I'd like to buy that property from him. He's going to sell it and get it for me. Cause God told me to, why is God telling him to buy property in the middle of a siege just think about that. You know why? Because God wasn't worried about the siege. Think of that. Right now, the world's just going crazy. People are, you know, so much the American uh, public just watches the stock market, ups and downs to, to do any investing or do anything that they're going to do or expanding business or do anything like that. They watch the stock market. There's a siege zone. Everything is bad. They're about to be destroyed by the most powerful king there. And Jeremiah is buying property. Why? Because he had a relationship with God who would tell him great and mighty things. Now, I don't know about you, but <laughs> I, I would have a tendency in that conversation with the Lord to be saying, What? Don't you understand? The city's under siege. I've been thrown in the dungeon. I'm not even getting fed around here. What in the world's going on? And you're worried about, why do you want to go buy a piece of property? What does it have to do with anything? And I think that's an attitude of a lot of people. And I have to watch myself because I have to realize that my thoughts are not his thoughts. And so many times I ask God, why is this going on? And then I have to stop and say, you're thinking about it like Robert. You have to think about it like Jesus. I've often thought, and y'all got to give this to me. You know, I know I'm a little extreme, but I've often thought, what would we be doing if Jesus was being crucified in utopia? It was taking place, and we knew that they were wrong, and we knew they had it. Huh? How many of you think you might have done something kind of extreme, and you were out there shooting the soldiers? That were trying to stop what was going on, not realizing that Jesus was about to die for the sins of the world, and you really could have messed things up because we don't have the thoughts that God has. So I want to encourage you that even... I I gave you this message tonight because I wanted to encourage you. I wanted to strengthen you. I wanted to break off the strongholds that the devil is, but I also wanted to stop fear in your life because if everything going on in the world today... Everything's taking place. Everything's spinning out of control. Uh, It's getting worse by the day of of people just pushing Christianity down. And uh, I just want to encourage you that though we look at it a certain way, we have to have the mind of Christ in the situation. We have to be sitting down in Jeremiah 33 3, talking to the Lord. And getting into him the answer and getting him to, you know, he said, I will answer you. So getting the answers that we need, but based upon the thoughts of God, not our thoughts. Amen. And then that's going to bring you comfort and it's going to bring you peace. I pray this message tonight sets you free from any worry, any fear, because if you realize how much God loves you and how much God's got control of you, well, then you really can just rest in peace. Hello? And I know, you know, I know I'm human just like everybody else. And the, the enemy comes in sometimes and wants to knock me off track, or I listen to so much garbage that then I can't seem to, you know, get it off of me until I sit down and go to the Word, have a conversation with heaven, listen to what the Holy Ghost has to say. And then you're free. Amen. So, what I want to do for you right now is I want to ask you just put your Bibles up. Don't turn me off yet. I'm not through. And I want to pray for you. And I just feel a special prayer here. I just want to, to loose over you and speak out over you. But, Father, right now, I just pray right now in Jesus' name that everyone that's hearing these words tonight, that it's not like any other message I've ever preached, that, Lord, the anointing of God goes forth right now for those all around the world that are listening to this message. And it begins to break off the strongholds in people's minds, begins to set the captives free so that they can see the exceeding goodness of God that wants to be poured out upon them. Where the devil has lied to people for so long, they've become so deceived right now, declare that's broken right now in Jesus' name. Those yokes fall off you, those chains are broken. And right now, for the very first time, maybe you can see the love that God has for you and the future he has for you, and the blessings he has for you. I, re- I just declare and I rebuke the enemy in Jesus' name for all fear and worry. For there's been doubt and unbelief, I thank you, Lord, tonight you change it over into faith, that people grab hold of it by faith, that they begin to speak out of their mouth and say, God, I, I thank you that you love me. I thank you that you love me. And as they do, Lord, you can just pour your grace and your anointing out upon them. Lord, bless them tonight. Bless those, Lord God, that are listening to this broadcast. Let us become great evangelists that tell everybody about the love of God. Lord, give us a special, Lord, just a special anointing to share with people your amazing love. And Lord, I ask you tonight to just do Ephesians 1 and 3 that people will walk in the blessings of God that you have commanded upon all of us. Lord, the blessings in their finances, the blessings in their businesses, the blessings in having the mind of Christ, blessings in everything that goes on. Bless their finances, Lord. Bless them tonight. Bless their offerings, their tithes that they're sending in. And Lord, I just thank you for it. I thank you for abundance of wealth touching the world so that we can see nations presented to you, Lord God. And, Lord, just like it was in Egypt, the more they got plundered, more they got persecuted, the greater they begin to prosper and the greater they begin to reach out. So, Lord, I pray that over the American church. I also pray, Lord God, tonight that you shut every preacher's mouth who's not preaching the love of God. I ask you, Lord God, to work it somehow that you shut their mouths, shut the, the, the lies of the enemy coming out of them from the pulpits. And I declare that people will rise up and preachers will begin to preach the uncompromising truth of the word of God. And that it'll touch hearts and touch lives. I pray over this nation, Lord. I pray over this nation that we will come to the truth, the revelation of the truth, that we will walk, Lord God, in your ways, that we will hold the word of God dear. We We will put our faith and our trust in what your word says and not be swayed because, Lord, you got good word in here. You got truth in here, and we're going to walk in it. I ask you to bless our president, bless this nation. Put your hand upon it, Lord God, and guide us forth in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Hey, God bless you, man. I am so glad you tuned in tonight, and I'm so glad you guys are here.